This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It's uh, 11 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. Thank you very much to the news teams. Let's get on with something that's very much in uh, the public consciousness. It is the Senzo Meiwa trial. And sure, you know, uh, I, I think many of us can't keep up. I'm going to be honest. Despite their best efforts, Abonkos Konamalinga, Abokriselda, Lewis, I mean, I can't keep up. Every day, where are we at? You know, and this is why people are calling it a trial within a trial. It started last year. Uh, then it was cancelled. Then there was a retrial. And with this retrial, new judge, some of the old testimony, some of the old ev- evidence can be presented. Some of it is not admissible. Some witness statements have changed. And then the bombshell allegation. But it's not such a bombshell allegation because, frankly, many people have uh, suspected it. And there was a Netflix documentary that preceded the actual trial that just about made uh, the allegation as well. And, um, you know, the uh, legal teams were told to ignore everything that was revealed in that documentary uh, because it is speculative and what needs to come before a court of law is irrefutable evidence. Nonetheless, the allegations about, uh, against Kelly Kumalo are coming up again. And without an indictment, I wonder what her rights are because you can't keep accusing me of something but fail to charge me with something and bring me into the dock. So let's hear what the lawyers have to say. Mpumela Luzigalala, good morning. Good morning to you, Good morning to your listeners. Thank you so much, sir. And of course, Mpumela Luzigalala is the director and an attorney at Zigalala Attorneys Inc. In case you need uh, a lawyer. Uh, so, Mpumelelo, let's just start off with people calling this a trial within a trial. What's meant by that? It's meant that there are separate proceedings which are there to assess whether the evidence of a confession should be admitted into the main trial. Remember what the state was saying. They were saying, yes, we initially came here to say these are the individuals that are indeed guilty, not only based on the evidence that we've collected independently, but also based on the confessions in which they have signed. And the mm. state is alleging that at some point in time, accused number three or accused number two, if I'm not mistaken, mm. were taken in front of the magistrate. They signed a confession in which they were linking all the accused that are there. Mm. Now, in order to bolster the state's case and to make it much more credible, then it would assist them if that particular confession is taken as a confession which is true and correct and which can't be disputed and ought to be taken in as part of the evaluation of the evidence, which is why then we have what we call a trial within a trial. Because Based on the on, on, on the verdict of the trial within a trial, it will determine whether the, the confession comes into the main trial or not. Okay. Um, also, in terms of some of the evidence that was brought forward um, by by Brigadier Geninda, he yeah. says that the confessions, confession one was acquired just in front of the police in an interrogation setting, and then the second confession actually was all of the relevant investigating officers plus the accused's attorney. So, in other words, I think he was trying to say, we've heard this twice, and in the second instance, it was fully, fully objective because even the accused representatives were in the room. And so, to that extent, it should be admissible. 
Does does that matter? It it does it does matter because you have the Criminal Procedure Act, it's sort of like a manual of saying how criminal matters ought to be conducted. So it prescribes as to how a confession ought to be taken. So it says, yes, a confession will be taken by the person who's been there accused, but you must make sure that that confession is taken in front of a magistrate, not just anyone or all the other investigating officers. Mm. In addition to that, you must have your legal rep next to you who's going to fully explain the rights that are applicable to you, but most importantly, the implications of the confession which we are about to make. Now, if you haven't ticked all the boxes that are there in terms of compliance with the Criminal Procedure Act, it then means that the confession that has been taken may be something or some information which is written on paper. However, it can't be regarded as a confession, hence cannot be used in a court of law or admitted as part of the evidence or evaluated as if it is a, a confession mm. on its own. So what they are doing now within the trial, within the trial, is to, the state is trying to say or to show that all the steps that were meant or the boxes that were meant to tick while getting this particular confession were actually ticked. Mm. This particular individual confessed on their own. It's just that now they're changing their story because they can see that, that the consequences that are there. Okay. Which is why the defense is at pains to explain that no, this was not a true authentic confession. It was a confession that was obtained under undue duress mm-hmm. and other threats that have been there, so it must be excluded. Okay. Uh, also, other allegations have surfaced against the lead investigator. Uh, he's being accused by number two, or, or he's being accused by accused number two of having offered him a bribe if he can just implicate uh, certain people and get this over and done with. So that's another issue being adjudicated. Of course, uh, Bongani Gininda denies this vehemently, but these are all the kinds of back and forths that are taking place in the court as well. Mm-hmm. And that's on the basis of saying the, 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 the I.O. was so um, desperate to get a confession that they ended up taking this, those bargaining things. And the answer to that would be, even after being offered that amount of money, I didn't. I did not implicate any other individuals. I still maintain my stance of saying that I'm not guilty. And any other confession that you might claim that you have, which is not an authentic confession, which is a confession that was obtained and to rest. So, that's this the type of evidence and accusations which are going to be thrown around within this particular process. And part and parcel of that, or during or that leading of that particular evidence, that's when you are going to find certain affidavits from from Prakatila uh, Kinenda saying that from my stance, this is what I thought, this is what the processes ought to have been, and this is what I had done to make sure that the accusers are sitting in the in the accused box at the moment are prosecuted um, as, as we are doing now. Okay. So whilst they're working out these technicalities, where does that put the actual trial? Then it is, it is put in abeyance for now up until you can then decide whether this piece of the puzzle ought to be included in the in, in, in the puzzle. So we've got a foreign piece in which we need to assess whether it fits in or whether it should be part of the pieces that we are going to utilize. Up until we are done doing that, we are not going to consider what is happening in the mutual part. The, the contestation or the fighting between the parties is still going to continue because if the answer to the trial within your trial says no, exclude the evidence, then it's in favor of the defense. But if it says mm. include the evidence, then it is in favor of, of the state. Okay. But another argument would be, uh, from a strategy point of view, if the state had such a strong case against the accused, investigations were done in a proper manner, mm-hmm. there would be no need for a confession to be obtained because as you entered the crime scene, as you investigated further and used your forensic uh, mm-hmm. experts, 
and also attaching your cell phone evidence, ballistics, and mm. all the things which are required. You will not need a confession because the evidence will be able to speak okay. on its own. All right. So, so it's, it's, there's, there's another point maybe that, that, that could be taken, uh, maybe cl- during the closing right. argument. So to, to that particular issue that you're raising, if the evidence is irrefutable, in other words, if going to the home of Kelly Kumalo's mother, what you find are proper proper bullet casings, uh, the trajectories are correct, uh, there's been no contamination of the cl- crime scene, the blood splat- splatterings tell you what you need to, what they need to tell you, the fingerprints tell you what they need to tell you, the yeah. murder weapon is there, then you don't need all these other things because you've got sufficient evidence to present a case of murder and to conclude who is the person who pulled the trigger. But if that is not strong, now you're going to rely on evidence from confessions, etc., etc., to suggest that maybe the, the 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 physical evidence, the forensic evidence, the call logs, don't really paint a complete picture. Is this what you're saying? You're 100% correct. And which would then speak to the level and the competency of the investigators that were utilized in this particular case and the strategy that has been utilized by the NPA or the prosecution in prosecuting this particular case. So one may even come to the conclusion of saying maybe they can see the weaknesses that that is in their case or they are engaged on a strategy of saying let's throw all that we can so that everything can be evaluated by by the judge and hopefully they will find in our favor. Yeah, and I mean just what we know publicly is that that crime scene allegedly was cleaned up so there's going to be very little of that physical evidence. So that I think complicates the picture, am I right? Def, def, definitely, and which is why they are pains to try and make sure that this particular confession becomes part and parcel of of um, of of, of, the, of their of their case. And and looking at what is happening now, well, the chances of that are there, but that they are not that great. If we look mm-hmm. at the way in which it's been refuted, for example, there's a clip which was which was being played a few days ago, which speaks of the accused number three complaining about his liquor rep, saying that I have not employed this particular individual. They want me to confess, linking into what he's been saying since the trial started. Okay. Let's talk about the bombshell allegation. Mm. It's not the first time that we hear the mm. name Kelly Kumalo. It's mm. not the first time that we hear it in a sentence that says she may be behind this. Mm. But it was a bombshell made inside the court of law. It's different mm. when you hear it or it's suggested or inferred on a Netflix documentary. It's different when people are sitting in a bar in Santon and saying it's her. Mm-hmm. When these words are spoken in court, what weight or merit does it have? No. The only weight in which is going to be attached will depend on what is being assessed. So if you are assessing the involvement of Ms. Kelly Kumal in the matter, then I would say there's too much weight or so there's some weight is going to be attached on it. However, because you are only attaching the steps that were utilized by the I.O. in making sure that a confession is made. You are going to use the yardstick or the memorandum of how confessions ought to be taken and only focus on that particular expert. That's where the expertise of the judge comes in in terms of separating things which are not you are not supposed to look at and place any weight on them. But most importantly, do not pronounce on those things because you have not been asked to do so. And then come back and say, after looking at the evidence, despite the fact that there was a mention of another person that is there, I'm not going to even consider their name because I've not been asked to assess whether that particular individual is, is, is involved or, or, or not. Yeah. The unfortunate thing, though, for Ms. Kelly Kumar is that 
she has allegations that have been branded against them, not in a formal manner, because it's only the state can, that, that can place those particular charges against them. It's not the I.O. However, she's not able to defend them in the court of law because she's not the one who is being accused of engaging yeah. in this particular innocence. And 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 herein lies the dilemma. And I and I need us to remember that whatever we may think about Kelly Kumalo, whatever is your opinion about her music or her person or her lifestyle, does mm. not warrant anybody to accuse her of a crime they cannot prove. Mm. And isn't and isn't that an important technicality? Is that she's being prejudiced? She's her name is not on an indictment, but her mm. name keeps on being mentioned. But there's no indictment that comes after her name is mentioned, and so we keep putting this dark cloud over her head, without following through. That prejudices her, regardless of what public opinion is. Definitely, especially in the court of public opinion, because those are the type of questions which are going to be branded, and that she is going to keep on battling in terms of, 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 of having to answer if she wants to engage in those particular instances. But it also talks to the manner in which this particular matter has been investigated and the manner in which it has been prosecuted. It may be that there may have been certain allegations which have been leveled against them, but upon assessment, then the NPA would have said there's not enough evidence that will guarantee us a conviction if we proceed and go to court. So we are not going to call it as part of our evidence list we're not going to make her part of the of, of, of the accused because based on what you have currently as the investigating officer, it is not enough in order to guarantee this particular the, the conviction in which you are looking for. So on that basis, we're not going to even touch her name. Maybe it can come after after we are done and dusted with this particular matter, if there is someone who's going mm. to be able to implicate her or if there is evidence that is going to be stated. Mm. However, she is the one that is going to suffer prejudice because yeah. her name is going to be constantly yeah. utilized or stated in court. Yeah. And yet she is not even there to defend herself to say, but I'm not involved in this matter because the, the argument would always be, mm. we haven't accused you of anything, so you don't have any right to be in yeah. court. Can the judge say something to that? Can the judge say, could we all refrain from using her name unless you've got evidence that would lead to an indictment? And could there be an indictment in this process? It, it, it can it can be an instruction that will come from the judge, but you must be very careful as the presiding officer not to stifle any arguments or any submissions which are going to be made by other parties. So what you want to do is to evaluate things that have been stated to you and not to be seen as an advocate for a certain individual. Mm. So it, it's one of those dicey situations where, yes, you want to protect the interest of any member of the public, but in doing so, you can't then compromise the manner or the objectivity when it comes to assessing whether a matter is going mm. to be uh, uh, ruled or up, upon. Okay. When so, it comes to her, so he might say nothing for now and leave it until the judgment to say, okay, concerning these, this group of accused, this is what I found, and I found it really prejudicial for you to use the name of Kelly Kumalo. If you've got something on her, bring it and we start another trial. That can be said, however, it must be in the part of a judgment that we usually call an arbiter. That says it's not really related to the actual matter. However, it's one of those words of wisdom or words of advice that's going to be stated by a judge. So the the line would then say, uh, it must be noted that in certain instances there are going to be names of individuals which are going to be branded, branded. It's highly advisable so that they are able to protect their, 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 their Bill of Rights or rights to the Constitution. Okay. That whenever those names are being stated, there's substantial evidence is going to follow. And it allows it for that particular right. individual to defend themselves. All right. So let's talk about this being a retrial, Mpumelelo Zigalala. Mm. Um, 
uh, of Zigalala Attorneys, in case you've just joined us. So for almost a year, we <clears throat> saw this matter come to the courts. And we saw a whole lot of shenanigans, as people say, in the courts, which ultimately collapsed the trial. And um, the presiding officer at the time even suffered a stroke somewhere along the line. And then he went on sick leave. And then one of the um, uh, defense attorneys was accused of corruption himself and then was struck off the roll. So a lot of things have happened prior to this retrial. But because so much time had passed, we'd already heard some evidence. We had already formed some opinions about what's going on. So they cancel everything and they start from scratch. Concerning issues that are already in the public domain, evidence that's already in the public domain, how does it complicate the real the retry trial and the role of the new judge, Judge Mohwateng? Now, maybe let's call it um, um, a, a trial from the instance in which the, the rationale is a person who's going to make the final determination as to the evaluation of the evidence needs to have had the evidence from scratch. So the, the, the new judge can't rely on transcripts because they would have made notes on their own. They, they might have questions that they'd want to pose to certain witnesses. So whenever a trial has not reached any stage, meaning the verdict has not been given, at any point in time, you can restart from the the trial from scratch on provision that were able to bring all those witnesses that were earlier stated. Now, there are a number of ways of speeding up the process, for example, that in comprehensive admissions, which are then going to eliminate any dispute that that, that, that would have been there. People that are going to be prejudiced by that particular process is the accused because they have to go and start and listen and go through the the emotions and go through the time that they have already been through. The witnesses that have been have to be recalled, they have to go through the stress of sitting in the witness box and being posed questions. And also that particular element of being branded as a liar because the person would say, on the previous occasion you were here, this is what you've stated, now you are changing your tune. Yeah. Are you lying to this particular court? So it is something which is very unfortunate. However, with the ultimate goal of trying to provide justice for the family of Senzo Mayo, we need to go through that process so that there's finality in the okay. matter. So, uh- Okay, let's just get a comment quickly from Tabelo. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Fine, thank you, sir. Go ahead. Okay, um, so I wanted to check if um, the the outcome um, of this uh, trial within trial can be reviewed. So basically, will this process, the, the, the initial trial, the main trial, be put on, on abeyance until such time you know, all the steps has been exhausted. So let's say let's say they go to the next court and, and another court while reviewing this outcome, or um, or maybe not. Um, just, yeah, that's the question. Okay. Technically, it can. However, for convenience and, and the strategy to prevent all those delays from taking place, the judge would usually say the outcome of the trial within a trial is going to, or the verdict is going to be given out within the main trial. So if, if ever there are anything that you would want to dispute, either the trial within the trial or the main trial, you must do it all at once because I do not want to issue out a verdict on the trial within the trial. And then it goes on appeal and then it goes all the way to the court court and then it comes back. Meanwhile, we are still waiting to get on with the main trial that, that we need to finish. So to eliminate all those things and any time being wasted, most presiding officers will then say, I'm only going to issue the verdict of the trial within a trial after I've had all the evidence, and it's only going to be one verdict, uh, which is going to be, which is going to be given to the party. 
Okay, and a quick uh, comment from you, uh, Silent in Centurion. Uh, good morning, Lerato. And I just want to find out something. From this case, we learned that uh, there were plus minus five witnesses uh, in that house. And one of them was Kelly Kuman. And up to so far, even with the first judge, all witnesses, almost all of them, they were called. But Kelly Kumalo was not called. And and is, she's not even... A, uh, look, it doesn't even look like she will be called anytime soon. Okay. And I hear from your comment, you are saying that even if her name is implicated, there's no likelihood that it can be, she can be called. Now, why is Kelly Kumalo not being called, even if she was part of the witnesses that were in the house? Okay, thanks. So, okay. Yeah, I think we got it. That is Zingalala. Mm. You must remember that the witness who's going to come in must come up with fresh evidence or there must be some elements in which they're going to collaborate the evidence. Now, we heard three witnesses from the house that have came and repeated most of the same thing. We're sitting in one day, people entered, shot, a gun was, was, was fired, you then have the deceased. So if you call Kelly Kumalo, for example, what other new evidence other than the one that you've had now and which mm-hmm. she's going to come up with. Okay. You must also remember that also Kelly Kumalo's mother has not been called, meaning it, it, the state must have seen that if we call them, they're basically going to repeat what the other witnesses have stated and they're not going to assist us mm-hmm. in any in, in manner. Okay. But it may be as a strategy that due to her being implicated in that IO affidavit, let's not call her so that when we need to prosecute her at a later stage or if there's new evidence that emerges, we're not going to find ourselves in a fix. Okay, finally, very briefly, do you think any of this is going to bring justice for Senzo from where you're sitting? Is there going to be finality? Is it going to be a collapsed trial? Is there going to be any kind of conviction? Are we ever going to close this matter? I, I think the speed in which we are moving in, we may see the end of the year coming to the finality in terms of, of this particular matter. But we'll only be able to make that assessment after the first accused have been into the witness box. Okay. If they come up and they continue to collaborate or to state what their, their legal reps are saying, then I would say there must have been a mishap in the manner in which this matter has been investigated. Also a mishap in the manner in which this, mm. this matter was prosecuted. So injustice or justice will not, will not have been provided for the or family. I hope the former is correct, but uh, as you're saying, legally from where we sit, so many uh, missing pieces might just lead to a mistrial. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.